Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average and auto customers Qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Yeah, again, it was the same. It was business as usual of how we how we go um, about an end of year meeting. Now, in my mind, right? In my mind, you better believe I'm thinking, how do I reprove myself? Right? I was a young coach that um, that Mr. Lori and and Howie and and this organization uh, trusted to give the job to. I had to prove myself that. You know this 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 guy uh, can can lead you know the organization like they like they asked me to, and I had to prove myself from then. And I think that you know you asked me that question like did I like have to sell my vision? No, because again it was business as usual. But you better believe that I'm thinking after that one and six finish uh, after starting the way we started and doing the things that we've done in the past that I'm thinking I'm going to prove them right again um, that. You know, and we're going to prove them right away. Right? We got to reprove ourselves. We got to go prove it again. Nick Sirianni meeting with reporters yesterday alongside Harry Roseman, GM of the Eagles. And look, what he has to prove is he's figured out what caused the one and six slide and why he failed to coach the team out of the funk into which they fell when they were blown out 42 to 19 at home by the 49ers. That sparked it. That was the first, uh oh. Uh Uh-oh, we got a problem. And they never got out of it. And that's what I would want to hear if I'm Jeffrey Lurie. I want to know, what do you believe caused it? What do you believe you should have done and could have done to get us out of it? And most importantly, what will you do differently if we're in a spot like this again? That's what I'd want to know before I'd recommit to giving Nick Sirianni a chance to reprove himself as he said he needs to do. And he does need to reprove himself because the last seven games make a lot of people wonder if, if he's got the right stuff to get a team out of a funk when it inevitably slips into one. Yeah. I I think that's the the million dollar question. We're all concerned about that a little bit. We, we discussed, you know, at the end of the year and and the day after they lost to the Buccaneers in the playoff game. I mean, we've never seen a team of this quality fall apart like that. Right. I still think, and, and again, this still goes on Nick Sirianni, I think the major, the biggest issue, again, is the coordinators on both sides of the football. As you're seeing, that was the things they addressed right away. Those are the things that anybody, uh, you know, like me, hey, you, you watching football, whatever, you go, wait, things don't look the same as last year. And I think it all just came to a head. There was only so many weeks in a row they could go out there and just win with their great physical ability. And I think they got worn out by winning that way, and teams started to figure out a little bit how to attack them. And as we know, kind of once one team, two teams start to show something, it starts to build and go, wait, we can do that, we can do that. Oh, and I think we can do this to screw them over. And it just compounds itself. And because of there was lack of high 
high-end coordinators, they couldn't play the chess match of what teams were doing to them to take away things and all that, and it all went downhill, let alone, like I said, I think they were physically just trying to outbeat people for the first 10 weeks, and you can only do that so long in the NFL before you wear down a little bit. And then when the conversation came up after the season ended with a thud against the Buccaneers in the playoffs, a team that was not superior man-to-man, position-to-position to the Eagles, but they won 32-9 to anyway. And if you dare talk about the possibility of Nick Sirianni being fired, well, how, how, oh, you can't, oh, he, you know, if you talk about it, he can't, no, 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 he has his job, no, he's, you know, but fine, both coordinators get fired. Like, he's safe, but both coordinators that were hired just last year are out. Sirianni addressed yesterday why they're making the change at offensive coordinator. Here's his explanation. To me, we got a little bit stale on offense at the by the end, um, you know, at the end of the year. And these ideas and this and this new and this new person coming in is is meant to you know take away the staleness and add and add the value of what they're adding to the to the offense. Nick, just for clarification, though, it'll be your scheme, and you'll have final authority on, on what is run. Yeah, you know, it's it's our scheme. It's, it will be our scheme of what we're what we're doing, and so again, I don't know exactly what that will look like yet, right? We're we're bringing in a guy to bring in new ideas, a guy who has a vision, a guy who can, who's going to call the plays, um, a guy who's going to be able to coach a quarterback in the in the in the in the same sense there. Um, so it's just about getting the right guy, and then we'll 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 decide where that goes. But I'm hiring him to do a job um, and to be in charge of the offense. Well, the offensive coordinator is going to be in charge of the offense, and the defensive coordinator is going to be in charge of the defense. What is your role going to be? The head coach. yeah yeah uh but they're completely abandoning whatever the offense was well not abandoning it but they're they're bringing in somebody who's going to take over it's going to be what that coordinator wants to do and it's going to be informed by what the eagles would like to do offensively and you know he mentioned the quarterback he was asked a couple of times how jalen hurts feels about his longtime friend brian johnson being fired a year after being promoted from quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator and Sirianni never gave a straight answer. And basically, the closest he came was saying, well, you can ask Jalen about that when you have a chance to talk to him. Well, thanks, Nick. The reporters don't have a chance to talk to him until, like, April at the earliest. So it would be nice if you – I always hate when they do that because that that's the ultimate punt. Well, well, how did Jalen react? Well, you have to ask him. Well, you were in the room when you told him, Nick. You were sitting there across from him. How did he react? Did he smile? Did he frown? Did he say good? Did he say bad? How did he react? Well, you have to talk to him about that. I hate that. That shit drives me crazy when people do that. Apparently. You were there, Nick. You, Yeah, I just don't like that. It's yeah. a cop-out. It's a cop-out. And it's so obvious when they do it. Oh, have, Belichick does that. You have to ask him about that. How did he react when you told him he was going to be benched? You have to ask him about that. Well, I'm asking you how he reacted. What's your perception? You have eyes. You have ears. You heard what he said. You saw what he did. How did he react to you? We're not going to hold you to it. We just want to know what you thought when you saw his reaction. We weren't there. You were. So that's one of the great unknowns about this. What does Jalen Hurts think? And, and we don't know. And we're only going to know if he makes the rounds at the Super Bowl, and I doubt that he will. It's not like he needs the money from Gatorade or, you know, Mail Pouch Chewing Tobacco, whoever sponsoring these guys when they do their thing, that we're going to see them out there in Las Vegas. I doubt he's going to be out there. Because he's going to be faced with a barrage of questions about yeah, all of no this way. stuff. He's going to lay low. Right. He doesn't want to go talk about this and get grilled about them firing his friend. And do you think, you know, what do you think about the new offensive coordinator? How much input did you have in it? Blah, blah, blah. So I just think that's, that's an issue that potentially could cause a fracture between Hertz and Sirianni. How can it not? They fired his friend. We don't know how he reacted to it because Sirianni wouldn't say, and now we go forward and we wonder if they hire a coordinator that Jalen Hurts is going to feel good about. We don't know because they sure aren't going to tell us. Yeah, I, I know it, it's, it, it will be interesting. You know? And again, too, I mean, that's where I'm, I'm a little surprised. I think that Nick Sirianni says whoever they hire, you know, it's going to be he's going to run the offense, all that. You know, I would think he would want to be involved. You know, I, I would think also he'd want to be involved a little bit from like what we talked about last year and during the season, you know, 
One, Brian Johnson was a first-time play caller. More times, or, or most likely, you know, they're going to end up hiring a guy on the offensive side of the ball that's also not called plays yet, right? So that's where I get into, you know, I would have liked, if I'm an Eagles fan, just to hear Nick Sirianni is going to be a little bit more involved in the offense. He's going to take over. He's going to do some of the things that he knew about offense when he was on the offensive staff with the Chargers or when he was the uh, offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts under Frank Reich. Those are the kind of things I would have heard, right? Because I, I don't know. If, if I'm Nick Sirianni, I don't want a new guy that would never call plays to just come in and run our offense. I'd be more like, hey, come in. Me and you will formulate an offense here. We're going to work on it. I might even call plays at first just to kind of bring you along here, and we'll go from there. But uh, uh, th- that's where I'm, I'll be interested to see where this goes. Or is he just going to take a step back and go, wait, I'm going to oversee everything. And, hey, new offensive guy that's never called a play in the NFL, go ahead. Blank canvas, do what you got to do. Uh, be interested to see what approach he takes here. And, and you know what? Maybe Jeffrey Lurie is letting him paint himself into a corner on this. Maybe the back and forth. And we don't know because they're not going to tell us. So I'm sorry if you would think this is fan fiction. But this is what we're left to do. We're left to fill the void here. The notion that, okay, the offense isn't working and the team itself was kind of, you know, out of sorts to say the least. If Nick Sirianni's involvement in the offense is keeping him from focusing on broader team issues and keeping the team on an even keel, okay, fine. You won't have any involvement in the offense. You won't have any involvement in the defense. You'll just be the head coach. What will your role be? It'll be head coach. It's your job, Nick, in 2024 to make sure if things aren't going well, you're in a position to spot it, diagnose it, and fix it because you're not distracted with the demands of assisting in the design and implementation of the offense, coming up with plays. Which plays are we going to call where? What's our red zone package going to be? What's our goal line package going to be? What do we think about this play? What do we think about that? No. That's delegated. Defense is delegated. Your job is to be the head coach. And you're accountable as the head coach. See, we don't know what excuses or explanations he offered when Jeffrey Lurie said, after digesting that loss to the Bucks, what the hell happened with my football team right. the last seven games of the season? What happened? Well, I was too caught up in running the offense. Okay, fine. New coordinator, he runs it, you, you're not involved. Defense, you're not involved. You're the head coach, it's on you now. So, you know, they did a great job of letting some of the, the steam out of the room Definitely. last week by right. kicking the end-of-season press conference of this week. But we're still looking at this saying, and when it's time to make our preseason list of hot seat guys, Mike McCarthy and Nick Sirianni are the two that we can already pencil in. I don't disagree with you there. Yeah, this is going to be big year, you know, for for both of them. Uh, we, we, you know, both teams are ultra talented. It seems like both owners are a little bit like underwhelmed by what the head coaches have done there. So I hear you there. We'll see. There's there's definitely some work to be done. And like we talked about, I mean, a monumental collapse. Sirianni's got to figure it out. He's got to kind of rewire the whole football team here offensive side of the ball certainly a big part of this what are they going to do we talked about Hertz played worse this year they weren't as efficient on offense and then hey I don't know I mean okay so get that work done with the offense because and I know we're going to hit it on here in the in a second the defense they look like they are going to hit you know strike gold here with the current situation uh, at least the way it looks like to me, to where he won't have to worry about that side for very long. But, uh, yeah, they got, they got some work to do to, to kind of retool, refurbish, and get this team going back in a positive way. The news broke during the press conference with Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia that the Dolphins and defensive coordinator Vic Fangio have agreed to part ways after one season together. And this might be a true parting of the ways. I don't know. I'm wired to think when the team says we're parting ways, they're firing him and they're just trying to make it look good. But there was some reporting yesterday I that Fangio wants to get back to yes. Pennsylvania. That's, right, right. That's would be my take, you know, Mike. The, Usually the, I'm with you that that means like, oh, they don't want you. Hey, here's a nice way to say you're fired. This one has all the 
you know, inklings and signs of a D coordinator that was like, hey, I don't really want to be here. I want to go back there. I wanted to be there last year. And, you know, Jonathan Gannon kind of messed it up. And like you said, he's from Pennsylvania. To me, that's what it has the feel of. Like, as soon as I saw Vic Fangio parting ways with the Dolphins, I went, oh, he's going to try to go back to the Philadelphia Eagles. It was the first thing I thought of. And I respect him for honoring his word last year because I think what happened, as best we can tell from the circumstantial evidence and the reporting that was out there, Fangio committed verbally to the Dolphins before the Eagles knew that Gannon was leaving because Gannon and the Cardinals were secretly conspiring. That was the heart of the tampering issue. Gannon's talking to the Cardinals. Gannon's expecting to become the Cardinals coach, and the Eagles – get caught flat-footed when they find out that Gannon's not coming back, even though he said he was coming back. And, oh, we can hire Fangio. Oh, wait, he's given his word to Miami, and he's not willing to renege on his word. So he goes to Miami, and then after a year he realizes, I never should have come here, apparently. I want to go back to Philadelphia. And there are circumstances where I think it's proper. And, look, I like the old school, my word is my bond. But sometimes circumstances change. Hey, guys, I told you I was going to take this job, but that was at a time when I thought there wasn't going to be an opportunity for me where I would rather be. Is there a way we can work this out where I can stay here? Can we, you know, sometimes you just don't want to have that difficult conversation. You don't want to be perceived as going back on your work. You don't want to be perceived as somebody who can't be trusted when they say what they're going to do. And it's that I said it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he did it for a year. And, you know, kudos to him because we got, we got one shot at this life and, We are allowed to be happy. We are allowed to live where we want to live and be where we want to be. And if there's an option, if there's an opportunity to do something in a way that better fits your life and allows you to be happier than you otherwise would be, then do it. So good for him. And now I don't know who the Dolphins are going to find to be defensive coordinator. But look, if they were hell-bent, like if this is 85 Bears, if he comes in and has a Buddy Ryan impact on the – on the Dolphins. Yeah. They're not going to be so easy to let him go. I think at some level they decided, okay, we, we need to do something different too. We're not going to kick and scream over this. We're going to let this guy go. But now they need to find a coordinator. You know, if this solves the Eagles problem, it raises a question for the Dolphins as to who's going to come in and run that half of the team. Yeah, I'll be, be uh, interested to see where that goes too, right? I mean, Fangio did do good things. You're right about that. Hey, they were a top 10 defense in football. And I think at one point there in week 12, 13, they were around top five-ish. I, Fangio is one of the best defensive minds in football over the last 15 to 20 years. Not going to be easily replaced. Uh, Mike McDaniel there, yeah, I'd, I'll be interested too. I would imagine it's going to be someone in his world, right? I mean, again, this is a guy, Mike McDaniel, he, he coached with D'Amico Ryans. He coached with Robert Sala. You know? He coached with Dan Quinn. Right. So he's going to have these type of guys. I would expect it to go there. That would be if I had to call my shot, somebody along that coaching tree brooded in the Seattle scheme. That's where the Dolphins go. But, you know, we'll see over, over the next few weeks here. Hey, and this is an important year for the Dolphins to to kind of bump next level. They kind right? of been the same the for newness, four years in freshness. a row here. Right. Yeah. The, at a certain point, at a certain point. If you're not, what do they say? If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Yeah. And, you know, they had the Division One this year. They blew it down the stretch. It, the new car smell starts to fade. And Mike McDaniel brings a unique and very enjoyable new car smell. It's going to start to fade. At some point, you got to deliver in the postseason or – or fans start to get restless and ultimately ownership starts to get restless. So this is a big hire for him. This is a big year for that defense, big year for that offense, big year for Tua Tonga-Vailoa, et cetera, et cetera. Let's take a break when we return. We pivot to, and by the way, we're going to have a full picks podcast later in the day that goes heavily into detail to these games. But for this show, we'll pivot to the conference championships, starting with the AFC heavyweight title fight between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, Chiefs and Ravens. That's next here on PFT Live. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and 
producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I know you're playing against the Chiefs defense, but everybody's going to talk about you and Pat Mahomes. What is it about that kind of matchup that you really like? What is it about competing against them that you really like? I don't like competing against him at all. <laughs> uh, we've been able to play in a couple games, not in a few years now, um, but I've admired watching him from afar and know that uh, it's going to be a great challenge for us every time we go up against him. He's going to be the MVP for a reason. I mean, he's, he goes out there, he, he leads his team, um, he, he scores, um, he, he runs, he throws, he does whatever it takes to win, and, and that's what the great greats do. Definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, it's not even a, it's a no-brainer. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. Um, but he's he just, I believe he's just, Two, two, two greats, um, up and coming greats, just going toe to toe, you know, like a heavyweight fight, heavyweight matchup. That's that's just what I see. Lamar Jackson is right, and if we're going to use that metaphor, here's the reality: one guy has been in a lot of heavyweight fights. The other guy, this is his first one. Yeah, championship fights. You're right. He's yeah, step, that's right. He's stepping into the ring with Apollo Creed for the first time. Now, he's a hell of a fighter. He's knocked out everybody, right? Mike Tyson eventually had his first championship fight, and what did he do? <laughs> Made quick work of whoever it was he beat the hell out of. But, but Mike Tyson wasn't walking into the ring against Muhammad Ali. So I think we've milked the boxing metaphor as best we can, but the point is, Patrick Mahomes has the benefit of experience in this moment. He understands the magnitude of the game. He's not going to be in any way in awe of them. And look what happened in his first AFC championship game. What happened in his first AFC championship game? He was going against the guy who was the Muhammad Ali at the time. Right. Who had all the experience. And they went toe-to-toe. And if the rules were different, they might have won that game. Right. Because they would have had a possession in overtime after the Patriots scored a touchdown in the 2018 AFC Championship. So, so and, the, hey, and to Mahomes your point, was like ready he, to go toe-to-toe with Brady. It took him a while to get going in that game. If you remember, right, that was zero points in the first half or three points by the Chiefs, right, in that monumental year to where, you know, again, I think to your point, the heavyweight championship fight, a little there, the Chiefs were a little like, whoa, damn, this is a little different animal here. Okay, hold on. This is this different intensity. They came out with a different game plan. And, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. The Chiefs are not going to be enamored with the moment or, you know, the bright lights of the situation at all there, at, at all. Patriots led 14 nothing at the half. Right. That and the game was out. tied at the end of regulation, 31 all. Yeah. The Chiefs scored 31 points in the second half after being down 14 nothing at halftime and most of the scoring was in the fourth quarter it was 17-7 at the end of three the Chiefs scored 24 points in the fourth quarter to force overtime in the final minute and then it was that first drive 13 plays 78 yards 75 yards excuse me Rex Burkhead touchdown just lined up on side on the field right that's that's, you know it's uh it would have been a whole different game, or they would have won and gone to the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes' first year as a starter. And he'd have four Super Bowls now, assuming the other years played out the way they did. So I guess the point is, Lamar Jackson, this is his first rodeo, and it's just like Mahomes six years ago, five years ago, 2018, into early 2019. 
facing Tom Brady first time in the AFC Championship. Now, Lamar Jackson far more accomplished and experienced than Patrick Mahomes was, so that's that's a, a check for Lamar in comparison to Mahomes his first year in the AFC title game. But yeah, you know, this is going to be something. I, anyway, we're going to do our picks later today, and I have been dreading these two games all week long because you can make a strong argument for either guy to win the game, either team to win the game. It feels inevitable for the Ravens this year, but in every year it feels inevitable for the Chiefs. Yes. Because they just know how to play and win in these win-or-go-home games. That's right. I mean, again, you're down to the Eagles in the Super Bowl. You're down to the 49ers, 10 points with six minutes left to go. You come back, you win those type of games. There's no more pressure in anything anymore. I mean, that that's as pressure packed as it gets. AFC Championship game, he, you know, Mahomes is going to look like that and go like, "This is like burger and shakes. This is awesome. I love this. There's no pressure here." And we know the Chiefs embrace it, the show, everything about it. Yeah, the Ravens. This is the first time they're going to have the, this feeling, you know, in the Lamar Jackson era. Like, whoa, I can feel the the moment. Whoa, it's all the pregame shows are on the sideline right here. There's a different buzz in the stadium, all of that. And we know, too, that, yeah, you know, like like we said, the Chiefs show up in these moments. The Ravens are still kind of knocking down barriers to say, hey, we don't collapse in these type of moments. Last week went a a long way to, you know, dispelling some of that as well. And then, uh, you know, you get into it. Yeah, the Ravens probably the best team in football all year. But it's the Chiefs, and it's Mahomes, and it's great coordinate. You know, Andy Reid, big game Andy, and Steve Spagnola, and there's parts of this football team that match up very well with the Baltimore Ravens, and that's where it's going to get interesting. Really, on both sides of the ball, I think that's what's really cool about this one is you know you got pretty high level you know chess match really on both sides of the ball between the coordinators that I'm very excited to kind of see play out. Well, and, you know, consider the fact, too, that this is the highest stakes ever for a game between John Harbaugh and Andy Reid. And Harbaugh worked for Reid from 1998 through 2007. Ten years. Well, nine years because he was there before Andy Reid showed up. Andy Reid kept him in 1999. Harbaugh was a special teams coordinator as of 1998. Stayed in that job through 2006. Defensive backs coach in 2007 which got just that one year, get him away from the stigma of special teams coordinator, make him a position coach for a year, and that lays the foundation for him to become a head coach. And here they are, two of the most tenured and successful coaches in the NFL, crossing pads in the biggest platform they've ever met, and they've got that history. And you just wonder how much of that history creeps into this between Reed and Harbaugh. It's not quite Harbaugh versus Harbaugh, but it's pretty damn close when you consider the relationship. So let's look at it from the Chiefs' perspective. If you're Steve Spagnuolo, what do you do yeah. to try to neutralize Lamar Jackson? And it's, 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 this is like this is the big one of the big aspects of the game in my in my you know estimation. You know me, Mr. Ron Jaworski. I watch the film, right? One, the Chiefs are a little banged up at the defensive tackle position, right? So that worries me. Like when the Bills got into some running sets last week. Right, The Chiefs, I felt like, especially when Chris Jones was out of the game, went into defenses knowing we got to protect our D-tackles a little bit. Naughty's been hurt. They're a little undermanned there. And I felt like they played defenses to, yeah, stop the run, help those D-tackles out a little bit. We know this Ravens O-line is better than the Bills O-line. right? And we know that Unlike years past, if you overplay the run game against the Baltimore Ravens, they can beat you with the pass game this year. They can do that. But having said all that, too, the Chiefs can play man-to-man about as good as anybody in football. And Spags can change up coverages and looks about as good as anybody in football. I think the thing I'm interested to see here, Mike, is the Chiefs very creative with, as you always hear me say, tactical blitzing, right? You know, kind of like you didn't expect this from us and we brought it and now you got to account for it every time you get in this formation and what other curveballs are we going to have for you today? That's where Spags is brilliant. Last week, the Texans blitz blitz gave the Ravens issues. It did. 
and to the point where they had to go in a half and kind of reorganize how they play and do everything like that. So that, to me, is going to be the thing that's going to be interesting. Does Spags choose a game of being aggressive? You know, our DTs are undermanned. I need to run blitz a little bit. I need to blitz. I didn't like the way Lamar, or I like the way Lamar didn't pick up the blitz consistently. I think I can expose that. But within saying that, too, Mike, you are going to leave your guys one-on-one with Bateman and Zay Flowers and OBJ, and that could be scary too. That will be interesting uh, to, to see this, the approach by the Chiefs' defense. But they've got the defensive backs to do they it do. if they want to do it. They right? do. They can trust Yeah, them. They do, but this, is, this isn't you know Tua and pop gun, pop gun arm here. This is Lamar freaking Jackson who can make the first blitz or miss, like you're saying, right, and then go, oh, wait, you know, Legereus Sneed, you're awesome, but – can you cover Rashad Bateman for six seconds straight as he runs an in-cut and then sees me scramble, and now he comes out and does that? So that'll be a very big aspect of the game, let alone, like you always say, with Buffalo. And this is to me, too, we saw it last week, big game moments, right? You always bring up they like to run Josh Allen in the big game moments. though. That was very true last week, to your point. I think the Ravens took a page out of that book last week as well. They started to go, wait. It's 10-10. It's the third quarter. We got Lamar Jackson, and we have a clear schematical advantage when we run the ball with the quarterback a little bit. Let's start doing it. And they ran five or six quarterback design runs within the first two drives of the second half. I would think the quarterback design run thing, again, is a part of their game plan because it just makes the Ravens offense so much to defend when you talk about the run game, the receivers, and now a quarterback design run game on top of that, Mike. You throw caution to the wind when you get to this stage of the season because if your quarterback gets injured in the last game of the year, I guess the worst-case scenario would be beyond losing and having your season end, you win the game, but your quarterback's not available for the Super Bowl. That would be a problem. That would be a major problem for the Ravens, but they're willing to take that risk just to get there, risk your quarterback's health because you're at the end of the road and this is what you – yeah, right, right. The Chiefs need Willie Gay back healthy. They need Derek Nottie back healthy. That'll be big if they can play in the football game. They need Mike Edwards, too. Mike Mike Edwards as well. Exactly right. All right, we're going to flip it over to the NFC Championship game. The Lions and the 49ers. The Lions beat the 49ers for the NFL Championship in 1957. Can they beat them again to get to their first ever Super Bowl? We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. This team is going to take on the identity of this city. We play Detroit ball all day. So this team's going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Intercepted by the Lions! Intercepted by the Lions! Ah! Dirt Barnes! Dirt Barnes! Dirt Barnes! Oh, baby! The Lions are going to the NFC Championship game with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. Before long, where are they going to be the last one standing? Three years to the day after he uttered the famous kneecap biting line, the Lions advanced to the NFC Championship. They are back there for the first time since 1991 when they faced Washington in the Barry Sanders days. Now Washington and Dallas have the two longest NFC Championship droughts in the NFC. Washington 91, Dallas 95. Lions get a chance to go to their first ever Super Bowl. They are, Chris, seven-point underdogs. Are you shocked by that? 49ers. I was shocked when I saw. Yes, I did not know it. Like it was, I I just found that out yesterday, and when I was first told that, I was literally like mouth drop wide open. Like what? The Lions are seven point underdogs. That that seemed a little high for me. And it opened at six and a half, so oh. it moved. Right, it moved to seven, which means people were betting the Forty ers excessively in the estimation of the odds makers and they needed to move it to try to get more people to bet on the lines because the whole idea if you can pull it off and if this isn't a 100 percent applied all the time but the idea is you want equal betting on both teams equal action you win the vig you keep the vig you make money in the sports book they all they 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 always win over time they win you might win a little bit here and a little bit there over time they're going to win 
because they're going to keep that 10% if they can finagle equal betting. So, yeah, based on how the 49ers have played lately, and I think when you get to the end of the season, you know, it's like some people may think differently about the Chiefs because they struggled in the regular season. doesn't matter when you get to the AFC Championship. You may think differently of the 49ers because it was easy for them all season long. doesn't matter if you're sputtering in the playoffs like they sputtered against the Packers exactly. at home on right. Saturday night. Right. So, so, yes, seven seems a little bit high for a Lions team that feels confident, they're competent, and they're ready to bite some more kneecaps. Yeah. That, that, I, you know, we talked about the coordinators. This is what's awesome, in my opinion. We got, like, eight phenomenal coordinators in this matchup this weekend. I mean, really. Offense and defensive minds, in my opinion, that aren't like, you know, you always hear me make fun of them. Like, this is what we do. We're going to do it. Even though they know we're going to do it, we're still going to do it because this is what we do. Okay, well, then you're going to be doing the next thing at home next week on the couch, right? These coaches aren't going to do that. This is a, you know, these are thinkers. These are outside-the-box thinkers on, on, on everybody. Aaron Glenn is that. Shanahan's that. Ben Johnson's that, right? Steve Wilkes is that. I'm interested to see it. The Lions, I think, in a lot of ways match up really well with the 49ers, right? They do. One, hey, let's go to the Lions offense versus the 49ers defense. The 49ers defense is not as good as – you know, this is their fourth appearance in the NFC Championship, right, out of five years. It's the least of the defenses they've had in those four years, right? You saw the game the other night. The front four was not around Jordan Love a whole lot. This whole line's better than the Packers, right? I do think that the 49ers might have to change their approach and how they play a little bit in this football game. They like to rush four, drop seven, play their coverages, their match zones. You hear me talk about all the time and do that, right? But I think they got to be worried about that because Jared Goff's going to have all day to throw the football if they just rush four all day. I, and, and they, as you've heard me say before, if you want to beat the 49ers, just like we saw Mahomes and Netflix last year, the 49ers take away the middle of the field. They dare you to throw the ball down the field and outside the numbers. The Lions can do that let alone we know they can run the football as well, right? So that's where I think they can pose some problems for this 49ers defense. And the way I look at it, I think the 49ers are going to maybe have to play a little more aggressively on defense than they usually do or want to. They play man-to-man -man a little bit better than years past, so maybe they rely on that. But as we know with Jared Goff, he's great against the blitz, but he's horrible versus pressure, right? It's kind of a weird thing to say when you say it, but you got to think about it. He's great against the Blitz because they're an awesome O-line. He's pretty smart. They're well-coached. They know how to pick it up. But if you can get there and start to collapse the pocket, we know he becomes less than in those type of environments. And you know that is, to me, going to be one of the interesting things to watch on, on that side of the ball as far as that matchup. That's why third and long has been the narrative yes, there you for go. the Lions all year. Right. Stuff them on first and second down. Right. Play tough against the run. Easier said than done because they have David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Exactly. Who have been, and you throw in passing on first and, and second down. They've avoided third and long and those situations where it's possible for Jared Goff to be pressured by, in this game, a Nick Bosa getting around the edge. Yeah. And creating yeah. turmoil and havoc and maybe forcing a mistake. I, I think this comes down to which quarterback makes the fewer mistakes. Right. And Jared Goff has been playing very well lately, but we've seen multiple games this year where he struggled. He had that stretch where he had like nine interceptions and or nine turnovers in three games or something like that. It was a lot of turnovers, fumbles, interceptions, etc. And then we've seen Brock Purdy from time to time have a rough night. The good news for the 49ers, by the way, it's time for your weather on the ones here on PFT Live, even though it's not quite one minute after any of the various 10-minute chunks of an hour. High of 70 and low of 52 in Santa Clara wow. on Sunday. And most wow. importantly, 0% chance of precipitation. So no Damn. wet hands right. for Brock Purdy. We saw him struggle with the wet hands. Yes. Good news for the 49ers. Definitely good there. I, I, I was going to go. I couldn't figure it out. That makes me even worse that I'm not going, right? Because I was going to go and, and support my friend and go and root for the 49ers and do all that. I couldn't work Still it all can. out. 
Well, I mean, you still can go between the show like, and the getting a plane and go. No, the flights were crazy. It's like it, it became to a point where between the money and the way home, I wasn't going to be able to get home until late Monday night, and I was going to have to connect right. And I was like, I'm not eight hours in the plane connecting and not even being in first class in some of them. I was like, that ain't happening. I just I couldn't do it. Right. Let alone. Yeah. Matching it up, you know, worrying about our show, which would be 4 a.m. West Coast time out there and doing all that. So whatever. I'm hoping I'll see them in the Super Bowl. But back to your po- go ahead. What do you let me just say, say this? Yeah. Let me just say this as somebody who has sat in coach. Right. Uh, there was a I was trapped on a plane last year trying to get home from Detroit so I could watch the Bills Bengals division round game. And yeah. I took a flight. I did. And, and and I don't know how the hell you would ever fit. That's what I mean. In a seat. Yes. And how would you fit your body right, into it? Right. Let alone. How does I anybody fit their bodies anyways. into them? Right. So that's where I, I just, that's where I told my wife. I was like, my wife, we were going to both go. Uh, it's, it'll ruin my life sitting in coach for eight hours. Like I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll be miserable for three weeks with a back problem. So not doing it. But back to the game. I mean, you said it right. Weather's a good thing. Brock Purdy played like crap last week. Let's let's not even like let's not sugarcoat it. It was horrible. Like it was horrible. He makes a few of those throws during the game. The game's gonna break open and it's gonna change. The fact that he kept missing wide open targets and throws allowed Green Bay to keep playing this conservative defense and really never have to change because they were like, Well, he's not gashing us. We're leaving the completions there, but he's not making it happen. Here's the thing I pose to you, Mike. Here's the crazy thing. The Lions, in my estimation, all year, I've kind of always said, they overplay situations or personnel or whatever. Like, if it's third and one, they go all in to stop the run. And they're like, if you throw a deep, we're screwed, but we're not going to let you run it. You've heard me say, like, if it's third and five, they go all in to stop the six-yard pass, right? You get in a run formation, it's total run defense. You get in shotgun empty, they rush three and drop eight, right? You, the Lions' run defense is the best in football or second best in football. It's right up there. Uh, if you're the 49ers, you know, do you play that type of game or do you spread the field out with a quarterback who didn't play great last week, but it's the Lions and we know their pass defense isn't great and they only have one elite pass rusher. Do you play that way? You know, that's going to be the interesting – or do they – Shanahan go, no, no, I like two backs, one tight end, and we're going to run the ball and play phone booth football against the Lions. That, to me, would be interesting, Mike. Or, what do you or, think? Or or you throw them the curveball. If they're going to commit to defending what they think is coming based on the formation, yeah. do something unexpected right. out of those formations. That's right. You, you spread them out, and then you run it. That's, or you you know yeah. quick pass to Christian McCaffrey and let him take off and and you or you pack everybody together and play action and send Brandon Ayuk down the field. I, hear I think you. that's I that's if they're gonna if they're gonna commit to the formation, then you're gonna have to zig when they think you're zagging. So, that's, that's, and they've got Christian McCaffrey. It's easy to be good against the run as a defense. When you haven't faced Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that, listen, we know that. And Shanahan's a genius. And I know we got to go to a break, but I got to hit this point one more time real quick before we go, Courtney. Uh, I like what you said. You led me to a, a spot where I wanted to go there. The 49ers, Debo Samuel's health, we know is very crucial to the game. But like to your zig to your zag point, what I want to know is that the 49ers play 21 personnel, right? Two backs, one tight end, two wide receivers. That typically means, you know, the Lions and Dan Campbell go big people and we're going to stop the run and we're not going to let you do that. We're going to bite your kneecap off, right? But the 49ers are the fastest 21 football team in the league and they can get in shotgun spread and go, wait, Juszczyk's a good receiver. McCaffrey's a good receiver. Debo, Kittle, Ayuk. Oh, we can make Debo the running back now. We can do this and that. That to me is where it's going to be, to your point, the zig, the zag, the curveball that I'll be watching for and I think could be interesting to see how the Lions match up against that offensive set by Shanahan and the Niners. Oh. Or, or what you do is you send out 21 personnel, they put in their big people, you run a play out of traditional And then 21, the next play, you, and spread, then you it spread everybody exactly out. Exactly right. And then spread them all exactly out. Exactly right. Yep. Right. All right, we got, we, we got to take a break. Okay. We're talking too much today. Okay. We'll have more PFT Live right Football. Football. Mike Vrabel, the former Titans coach, had interviewed with the Chargers. Obviously, they didn't hire him. 
interviewed yesterday with the Falcons. And this is as matter of fact of a tweet as you're ever going to see. We have interviewed Mike Vrabel for our head coaching opening. It is your birthday. It is a statement of fact. Now, here's the next fact that is a surprise. He's going to interview with the Panthers. And I would pay a lot of money to sit in the room with David Tepper and Mike Vrabel. Because Mike Vrabel is going to tell you what he thinks. And David Tepper isn't used to having people around who tell him what they think unless they think it's what David Tepper wants to hear. So I'm surprised that Vrabel's interviewing with the Panthers. It makes me think that Vrabel's wondering, am I not going to get a spot this year? And I'm surprised the Panthers are interested in Vrabel because we heard in the immediate aftermath of Frank Reich being fired, they want an offensive head coach to get the most out of Bryce Young, Chris. Yeah, well, I mean, Vrabel's such a good coach. I don't give a damn what your you know thoughts were altogether. You, you abandon preconceived thoughts if he's available. And I feel like Vrabel's tactical enough to, to – Take interviews, Mike, to your point where I, I think he I think he's not desperate. I think he takes them and goes, What? If I get something and it fits right this year, I'll do it. If I gotta sit out a year, right, and do it, okay, I met Carolina last year. I kinda know what they're about, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, as we talk about sometimes as teams wanting to get to know maybe a competitor and get to know the knowledge of what he's doing, Vrabel, I think, would be the type of guy that would also reverse the fields there and go. I'll get to know them. Would I want to work for them? What are they like? How are they running that organization? I think he's definitely tactical enough to, to think that way. If there's a chance I'm going to be the coach of the Falcons, let's go see. Let's how go see. Exactly right. That's what really I mean. Are. Right, right. We got to take a break. Yep. More PFT Live right after this. All right, let's take a look at some of the prop bets for championship weekend. Let's focus on receiving yards with a couple of the top receivers. Amon Ross St. Brown over under 84.5. Brandon Ayuk of the 49ers over under 80.5. Between the two, which one do you think has more? I, I'm, I'm going to go uh, Ayuk there. I'm going to go with the over on that one. Uh, as you heard me say in the last segment, right, the, the Lions are a team that kind of goes all in on stopping the run usually, especially against a team like the 49ers. I think it'll lead to some very nice looks in the pass game for Brock, Pur- Brock Purdy, who I expect to bounce back. And, uh, yeah, I'll take Brandon Ayuk in that one. I will, too. There wasn't a whole lot of activity toward Ayuk on Saturday no. night. He had just one catch until fairly late in the game. Ended up with three, I believe, in the contest against the Packers. All right, some rushing props. Let's look at, first, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Over under 87.5. How are you feeling about him? I I feel like it'll be around there. I'm going to go under. Like, right? I I feel like it's a game where, like I said, the Lions will go all in. They're really good at the run anyways. Like, it's going to be like an 18 for 82 type of game. Something like that, if that makes sense, Mike. I I think he's going to have a huge game. This is his first ever shot at a Super Bowl. I mean, cleanest shot at a Super Bowl. Right. And home game, it's all on him. You know, last year it was a fluke where they had the injury early to Brock Purdy and it just killed everything. This is his opportunity, and I think he's going to have a big game. I'll go over. Jameer Gibbs over under 47 and a half. I like, I like the over there. I do. One, I, listen, I don't, I don't think the Lions run the ball enough. I didn't think they did it running enough last week. They're one of those teams that even when you play run defense, they go, well, we can still run it. They're too nice to defenses. They need to give Jameer Gibbs the ball more. The game turned around last week. It was 17-all, and they went on a drive and said, F you, we're going to run it every play with Jameer Gibbs, and they went down the field, and he broke a long touchdown run. And then the very next drive, you know what the Bucks did? They overplayed run defense. They played man-to-man, and the Lions screwed them over there. Run the freaking ball, Lions. Give the ball to your best offensive player more. Right, I like Montgomery. Goal line, short yardage. Gibbs, three rockets up his ass. Give him the ball more. <laughs> uh, I agree. Over okay. for, over for Gibbs. Montgomery over under forty three and a half. I'm gonna go under there. I'm gonna go under. I'm I'm yep. feeling this is Agreed. the game they go with Gibbs and they start to go. Damn, we got to get the Super Bowl. Let's give it to our best player more. 
Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook, this NFL playoffs, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly, plus all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLIVE when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Please wager responsibly. We'll wrap up PFT Live right after this. Hey, Joe Barry, thanks so much for putting together a great game plan against the Dallas Cowboys to shut them down long enough for us to build a 27-0 lead. Now pack your stuff and go. Joe Barry out as the Packers' defensive coordinator. Look, he was embattled a lot of the year. Yeah. I get it. Fire Joe Barry would be trending from time to time. But, boy, I thought he I thought he, he put himself it. well down the stretch. Right, right. I'm with yeah. you. I, I mean, and even though they lost to the 49ers, I mean, you know, Defense he helped keep problem. that game – in striking distance, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, you know, let's think about it. The offense didn't get a fourth and one tush push close to the end zone, right? They missed an easy, makeable field goal, uh, two horrible interceptions. The defense played phenomenal. I'm with you. I thought, like, maybe he did enough here down the stretch to kind of, you know, weather the storm and save his job. But I think, like, what you said, I think it's a little bit of, like, the fan base is foaming at the mouth, right? They were inconsistent through the year and you know they're more talented than the 18th ranked defense in football so I can understand the move right I, I certainly can understand LaFleur making that move but yeah I, I thought maybe there was a chance he might save it just the way it all ended this will be LaFleur's third defensive coordinator in his sixth season with the Green Bay Packers we'll see who they hire the Bengals have reportedly promoted quarterbacks coach Dan Pitcher to offensive coordinator now that Brian Callahan has moved on to coach the Tennessee Titans. Pitcher has been with the Bengals since 2016. He became the primary quarterbacks coach in 2020. That was Joe Burrow's rookie year. So at least it's somebody who's worked the last four seasons with their franchise quarterback. That's right. Keep the keep the machine rolling, right? I mean, you know, we, we've seen it's it's they, they crack the code as the year goes on every year. Zach Taylor is, of course, a big part of their overall game planning anyways. He is a head coach slash OC type, right? They'll work together, but it makes sense. I mean, hey, we know they're, they're, they're a good offense. I wish they were a little more creative at times, but still, like I always say, once they start to get feel for how defenses play them, they usually crack the code as the season goes on, and uh, they're going to continue to try to do that with Dan Pitcher as the OC. And didn't fall off much from Jake Browning, no. quarterback, once Joe Burrow was injured. Although most of these backup quarterbacks eventually showed us why. Yeah, exactly. They're backup quarterbacks That's after right. four or five games. All right, tune in later today for the joint PFTPM Chris Sims Unbuttoned Megapix podcast. We'll have the AFC and NFC Championship picks See and more. See you then. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.